Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to To The Table. I am your host Kyle Lira and joining me today I have Alexis Soto. How are you doing today, Alexis? I am here. Now, you may be asking what is To The Table if this is your first episode. Now, To The Table is a review show where we, one another, give another person a movie that one another has never seen, and uh, we bring a movie to the table, so to speak. Hence the name, To The Table. Uh, Today, we have uh, two movies to discuss. Uh, Alexis gave me a movie that, uh, shockingly, I have never seen until uh, a couple of weeks ago, or two months ago, or something like that. Um, and that is Inception. And I gave Alexis. We're gonna break. Uh, we're gonna break uh, some ground here. We are doing a movie that was previously discussed on the on the program. Uh, and I'm just dying to know what uh, the, uh, my fellow co-hosts' uh, thoughts are on the film. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So, uh, yeah, I, Alexis, who should go first? Well, we all know you want to get my thoughts on Scott Pilgrim, so we might as well just go with that. Or, or we could say best for last and get your thoughts with over with and. Uh, I cover Inception, and then you go over Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So, uh, I think that'll be good, because I think there'll be a... I, I, yeah, because I, I want to get that bulk of conversation done with, over with first, before we, before we dive into, you know, before we dive into the delicious dessert, you know. Um, so, unless you want to go first. Unless you want to go first, uh, Scott Pilgrim. I, I, I don't care. You don't care? Okay. Don't care. Okay. Uh, Alexis, I must ask you, why did you give me Inception? Because it was a movie you haven't seen before. And you seem to be a... Uh, a uh, you seem to like Christopher Nolan based on his uh, the works that you have seen. Mm-hmm. And this is a very Nolan film. And I, if I recall correctly, this was my very first Christopher Nolan movie. Really? Um, yeah, really. And, Interesting. Uh, I really like this movie. I really, really enjoy this film. Uh, and I think it was one that I really uh, gained favor with me on, you know, multiple viewings of it. Uh, I just think it's a really imaginative film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a great ride. I really appreciate that. I think it's uh, obviously a brilliant film in terms of like the caliber that's behind the camera with the, the direction and the cinematography and the acting and the writing and, of course, the visuals. And, if, of course, when you've seen this movie, are mm-hmm. we being interrupted? What's that? What's no. that noise? No, you're good. Okay. Uh, if you've seen the this movie, which you have, you can tell that this is where everybody was like looking to when Doctor Strange was coming out and they had those trailers of the folding city as well. Yeah. In part, this is where that comes from. So A little uh, bit of it. Right. Um, yeah. First off, I want to address that I really enjoyed it. I really thought that it was a really, I thought it was a kick-ass film. It really did a lot of, a lot of things right. Um, a a couple of, like, I, going into the movie, like, I, you know, a lot of people point to this as, like, the big mind-blowing movie, you know, and everybody, like, points out to me, like, you know, oh, this, like, you know, completely changed the aesthetic plane of, you know, reality. And be every- careful there. Be careful with hype, because hype can be a bitch. Um, 
I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see, I'll see what you guys mean. Um, I, if I were around the time that this movie came out and saw it when it came out, um, I would completely get the hype. I would completely. Well, Kyle, you were around. What do you mean you I know, weren't around? I know, but like, I know, but like when this movie, I know, but like when I was there, when the movie came out, like there, there, you know, um, were you there when Inception came out? <laughs> um, the, I, you know, if I were around, I would get the hype, you know, cause they do a lot of interesting things with like reality, conceptualizing, you know, dreams and like, you know, going into dreams, dreams within dreams. It's very, you know, Edgar Allan Poe-esque, you know, like the concept of a dream within a dream kind of thing. Um, and like the way that they tackle this in such a like fascinating manner, I think that they really, really stepped up their a game and uh christopher nolan my god i think that uh, i don't think it's a controversial opinion i think that this has got to be the most gorgeous film that nolan has done wait no that could be a that could be a controversial opinion because a lot of people dig the living shit out of interstellar so i don't know i just think i think number one i think that it's the most gorgeous uh uh nolan film ever but anyway, when the when the movie came out and everything, I you know, I you know, it just where was I when this movie came out? Like where? How come it took me so long to see this movie? Because you know, given you know, uh, put me put me in the in the backscape of like when I was like twelve or you know thirteen when this movie came out, you know, which. I feel like a dinosaur just saying that. Um, it it really, it really felt like this is something that could have like brought in my mind in terms of like cinematography, film. You know, this like came that. out in 2010, right? Yeah, it's it's such a like a it's such a strange world, you know, 2010, and this is like post Dark Knight, right? And this is like when everybody was like when Christopher Nolan was a household name. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it was. I find that fascinating. Um, let's get into the cast. Uh, Leo DiCaprio, I think he was really good as Cobb. I think that's his name, Cobb. Um, and he really portrayed, like, uh, you know, you could tell that, you know, he has a lot of secrets. I think I think it's safe to say that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is the Robert Redford of our time. You know, he... Mm. He has this. He has this way of acting, and the way that you know he he you know he doesn't wear, you know he lets the character speak for itself, you know, and makes the character you know uh, sh- he shrouds his characters in mystery. He the way that he, uh, the way he fluctuates, you know, the way that he you know emotes, and I think that he does a really good job. You know, and he's probably one of the best actors working in our time. Um, and this uh, and this what he did with Cobb, I think was really interesting because, you know, he does have a past, um, especially when it le- leaves up to the, to the ending of the film. I mean, there, there's ambiguity <laughs> there, uh, which has been like one of the most debated things in cinema history, you know? Um, so I think that, I think a lot of stuff that happens with, with Cobb and everything like that is really, really nice and well put and well said. And I think that his character is like the, uh, probably the most interesting in terms of like where uh, Nolan Nolan's uh, characters come from. Um, I would give, I would probably say uh, 
that if it weren't for like you know uh, the the comic book aspect because it wasn't a Nolan uh, created character, I would say Batman probably because of his whole moral moral uh, stance. But uh, I think that uh, that this is a really good Nolan character, and I was like when I got to the credits, it said written and directed by Christopher Nolan because I had no idea that he wrote it himself. I thought it was Jonathan Nolan his brother because he always writes the scripts and everything like that so i thought that this was a jonathan nolan thing and i'm like this jonathan you're doing wonders then the credits came on and it said written by christopher nolan and i was like wow you know you you know you had your you had your cake and ate it too kind of thing um and it, it from opening shot to you know the waves and i was like wow breathtaking you know the way it started off with waves and going on from from there you know the whole like uh escape situation from ken watanabe's uh men and everything like that really interesting uh there's a little bit of intrigue with marion cotillard's character um and the way that it progresses from there it's a really well-paced movie it's a two and a half two and a half hour movie but it feels like it's an hour you know it's much like the much like the concept of the dream you know you're you're in the you're in the world and you know what may be like five minutes is like an hour uh in terms of like the terms of the movie so i think that a lot of interesting development happened throughout the entire movie to keep me going and to keep me guessing i didn't really know where the things is going you know, I was like, okay, oh, we, we jumped into another dream. Okay, we're doing that. Oh, wait, wait, that that dream was actually reality when this was... I mean, there's so many cross-grained moments throughout the entire movie that kept me uh, kept me going, kept me interested, and it, it, just, uh, it was just a mind, mind-numbing uh, in the best way possible. It's mind-numbing in the best way possible. That's the way I could describe this movie, so... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of it, I, this movie is definitely a lot to take in. That yeah, yeah, that, it is. That's that's what I could say because it intentionally fucks with your mind. It fucks with your perception of reality, and then you question things. And I think one of the um, and people have their own interpretations, obviously, about this. But I think that's what makes the ending. I think really great is you don't really know where he is in the end. You know, yeah. when the the little knob thing uh, falls, I mean, I I I myself still don't really know what the ending is, but I haven't really gone out of the way really to lo- find the answers. Exactly, because I I think that's just really a satisfying ending. I like to think that he got out and then he's that was the ending. But if he didn't, well, that's also a really interesting ending. So, um, Nolan. Like I was like doing my doing my homework on on the on the film as as you know as a, a prepared podcaster would. Um, I he Nolan said that you know uh, he pretty much said in like fancy terms, who the fuck cares? <laughs> um, and he gets that question like, did Cobb, you know make it into reality at the end um and there there's a couple clues that hint that he is in reality um but it's just funny how like that is like the most uh that is the most questioned aspect of his film career 
<laughs> what's up with the Inception ending, you know? So I think that's, that, you know, even still to this day, he still gets the, still, he still gets that same question, you know? And it, it just, it's a lasting impact that I've, that, you know, this movie came out in 2010 and the lasting impact that the movie has had since then is brilliant. You know, it's just, it has a, a brilliant, like, you know, edge to it, you know? Um, I don't know what is like the best non Batman <laughs> uh, Nolan film ever. You know, a lot of people say it's interstellar. A lot of people say inception. Um, Some people say Dunkirk. So honestly, I don't think you, you saw it yet, but like, and this is when Peter and I went to go see it, and even in the uh, in the aftermath of the Oscars, people really declared Dunkirk as the Christopher best. Nolan's magnum opus. I'm not kidding you. And I think for me and Peter, that's like easily the most disposable Nolan film. Um, I think technically speaking, it is a masterwork of a film, Dunkirk. But and I believe there's a review on it somewhere for the people who want to listen to it on the feed from a year and a half ago. So if you want to go listen to that, somewhere. But, over the rainbow um but yeah i i don't know for me i think inception clearly is what uh christopher nolan is down to a science i think it is for me anyway the definitive uh nolan film and my favorite nolan film um not really the, the the dark knight notwithstanding because of course the dark knight is an amazing film I so think, i think those two are, are neck and neck for me you i know? think when discussing nolan films i think we should just put the dark knight aside <laughs> that's what i'm saying because like, like there's like, no comparison uh it's like not only besides there's like, there's a batman superhero bias in there somewhere so it's like yeah. you know it's best to like and like there's also two other i mean batman movies that he made but you know dark the dark knight is like regarded as one of the best films of the past of this century really yeah um so it's really a hard thing to to live up to that but i really think with every film christopher nolan has really shown yet yet again that he is an auteur that he is somebody that pleasures uh in doing something completely different than what he did last time there are similarities and tendencies with him and his films that we've noticed in cinematography being one thing and then obviously uh, well (laughs) that would be that would be with his insistence of hiring (laughs) Hans Zimmer which speaks more to Hans Zimmer than it does to speak to Christopher Nolan um I do not want to touch that (laughs) I mean That's like, a whole podcast all in itself. That would be its own thing. But um, I really do think this is a brilliant film. And I think uh, one of the earliest films going back to 2010 that really, I think, piqued my imagination into what films could be. It really kind of was a gateway film, if you will, to other kinds of different really interesting and crazy so out there films. The way that inception was to you is the way that star wars is to me like how well uh, like how uh, like how like oh this is how this is what films are like the the quote-unquote film you know i would say yes and no because i wouldn't regard my love for inception as equal to your love for Star Wars or oh, my own love for Star Wars. Oh, but no, it, it the, had but nothing... the comparison does stand, though, that it uh-huh. is a gateway movie. It is a gateway movie, and it does show you the kinds of things that film can be. So, yes, that comparison does stand. 
although I don't want to get people the wrong perception here. It's like Inception's not, not like one of my top 10 movies. I think it's in my top 50 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, I think, opened the door to a whole new area of movies that I previously wouldn't have bothered to have seen before. Or dealt with. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I the it, it has its fair share of like good moments. The action scenes throughout the mm, entire movie are right. spectacular, which begs the question like of how like the thing's gone. Why hasn't Nolan done a Bond film yet? It, it, I I just had realized that was gonna that was gonna come next. I do want to touch though is if I remember correctly and keep in mind that th- I think at this point um, it had been some time that I hadn't seen Inception. But I do know that this was one of the last Hans Zimmer scores that wasn't blah, blah heavy the yeah. entire time. Like there was actually, I think, I think the the character that he created for the composition of this movie really fit uh, the tone of it. And I have especially to commend, leading up to the climax of the film. Yes, and keep in mind again, this being 2010, uh, you have like Tom Hardy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ellen Page who weren't nearly as huge as they are right now. Yeah. Um, and also, I think this is one of, like, their, this was, if, if you go and ask them, this would be one of the first films in their careers that really helped them, like, launch off. That, uh, in terms of, like, what Ellen Page did, Juno, Juno is a huge film that she did. X-Men, X-Men Days of Future Past was obviously an X from that, but I think she, she was an X-Men before that movie, if I recall correctly, she was an X-2 or X-3, one of those things. Way, way before, or was she... I, I think her first appearance was in The Last Stand. The Last Stand, right? Yeah, yeah. and she came back for Days of Future Past. Um, yeah, and then, of course, Gordon Levitt was there for... Uh, he, the next film he was in Dark Knight Rises, which I think he was quite good, and I think he's good in almost anything he does. As um, Robin. And of course, <laughs> yes, and then uh, Tom Hardy, of course... Fucking Tom Hart. I mean, what was the next thing he did? Bane? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. There it is. There it is. There. Yeah, we all saw that coming. <laughs> it's such a shit show. <laughs> I mean, we want to laugh at it, but I mean, look, if we go back and revisit The Dark Knight Rises, it is hardly a shit show compared to some things that we've seen in recent days. It, I, I've gone on record saying I'd choose a, a wonderfully bad movie than a, a good, boring movie. I, I'd rather. I think we need to. I think we need to dig that up and relitigate that because I don't recall it being a shit show. I recall it being okay. There was good moments in that film, but I. But unfortunately, I think what happened was the Heath the Ledger death, died. The death of he- Heath Ledger really bogged down the story of what three yeah, could have been. Every it, it never fucking fails. Whenever every time a, a big high profile star leaves, it usually spells and it happened when Charlie Sheen was fired off two and a half men. Uh-huh. It happened when the Kevin Spacey was found to be a sexual deviant. And he was fired off House of Cards. Um, it literally, when it comes to virtually every single instance in which a major star is like gone, it just isn't the same. The one exception that I've seen in either television or film is the Connors. The Connors seems to be moving on just fine without Roseanne. Uh, good for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank God for them, man. I, I feel 
I felt bad for. I didn't feel bad for Roseanne. I just felt bad for the cast. I'm like Laurie Metcalf and John Goodman. Like what the hell? Sarah Gilbert. I mean everybody in that in that show. Yeah. You know. I just like. Uh, I caught the first uh, two episodes of the Connors. By the way. Ah. Uh, nice. Uh, and 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 I, they're just fine, right? They're fine. I thought they're enjoyable. They're they're yeah. good good quality content so i think that you know i felt really bad for the connors and everything like that um but no heath had to go method but uh but i think it's like a law of diminishing returns you know you you give out one of the best performances in the past century in film yeah literally and Uh. and you know and in comes that you know it had to cost something in the end so i think uh you know it sucks, but if it if it led to the Dark Knight, then because you can't go into the Dark Knight and just say, "Oh, it's all Nolan." No, I don't think the movie would be as good if Ledger wasn't uh, involved with the film at all. So I, you know, so I think that this is like a true testament. Like, what does what could Nolan bring to the table? And Inception is a huge huge answer to that plus leo is just a great actor in anything he does i think this is one of my favorite leo movies um Mm. if i think of my favorite leo movies i think of this one or at least performances i think of this and also jordan belfort in wolf of wall street yeah uh he's also great in django unchained django unchained that's really good oh and 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 while the revenant is kind of a, a a big like depressing dour pill that you have to swallow uh-huh. It's a beautifully mo- it's a beautifully made movie. It's a be- beautiful. You've seen the Revenant, right? You haven't seen the Revenant. Oh, okay. Well, that might be one we do. <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting. But you have seen Wolf of Wall Street, Django yeah. Unchained, and also uh, what was the other one? And this one. Um, I've so seen, he was great in uh, uh, J. Edgar. He was really good in right, that. Right, right. Um, yeah. He, I, I really love Baz Luhrmann's uh, Romeo plus Juliet. That's a film. That is, <laughs> that is, you know, say what you will about the batshit na- nature of that film. I adore that film. I, that's probably it's probably my favorite Baz Luhrmann film. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he also do that Great Gatsby movie with him? He did The Great Gatsby, which also another great performance. I think that's why I said that he's probably the Robert Redford of our time, because Robert yeah. Redford played Gatsby before. Uh, but probably. No, but no, because he's like... Catch me if you can. He's fun catch in that. Me if, catch me if you can. That's great. Uh, well, of course, we can't talk about Leo DiCaprio without talking about Titanic, you know? And, oh, shit. That's- <laughs> and he was great as Jake Dawson. Uh, not Jake. Jack Dawson. Uh, and I, Jack, Jack, paint me like when you're French girls. <laughs> That's not what I. Okay, no. I, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, you forgot all of Billy Zane's eyeliner budget. <laughs> um, but I think I think there's a lot of a lot of good great performances that you know I, the Revenant uh was pretty much the Oscar like the academy award board like saying fine here <laughs> that's every academy award ever yeah either they really like you or they're forced to give you an award after years and years of great performances it's one or the other they're like fine like this year when black panther will win best picture uh... <laughs> by uh... the way peter and i have like 
confirmed our predictions. Uh, Black Panther is getting in for Best Picture. So God. be prepared for that. It's it's not even it's, it's not the, even okay. a question. I I want to iterate for Red Spot Entertainment. It's not the fact that there's representation in the movie. That is a great fucking thing. But where you confuse, uh, you know, representation over quality, that's where you draw the line. You know, yeah. so that's our stance on uh Black Panther. But anyway, um, Inception, great great film there's like there's so much to talk about and delve into in terms of like what inception is and what it you know it can what did you make of the concepts that were being discussed because i think a big uh a really interesting question because we know you we on the show we really um we try and cover uh the perception or not maybe not the perception but the uh the taste if you will uh, and desires uh, that a general audience goes to go see movies, and I wonder, do you feel that the that they explained the concepts of this film as far as the dream within a dream to a point that the general audience would like, or maybe just fuck the general audience? Did you understand what was going on? Half well, time? I think the numbers speak for itself. I think like eight hundred and thirty-six point three million uh, at the box office speaks for you know how much everybody got it and like their minds were blown. From... You're kidding me! It made that much money. It made that much money. Yeah, you're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. That 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 feels like a different world because I don't think that would have made that much money today. No, it wouldn't. I mean, it, okay, $828.3 million at the box office. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, the only, th- the only thing I-, I might think at that point what drove that is that's at that, that was after Dark Nolan Knight. became a household name. Yeah. Because of the Dark Knight. So that might and be plus, driving that. Plus you had powerhouse performances and powerhouse, like, you know, actors. Yeah, but that may, that may be more of a yeah, – correct. That all contributed. Leo contributed, but – I think Nolan really has become a powerhouse unto his own. We can't uh, – I shouldn't have been surprised because both Interstellar and Dunkirk were huge, massive successes at the box office. Mm-hmm. Like the only original films I think succeed nowadays is if you have a big name attached to it. And, I mean, a really, really big name because um, – Because other than that. Well, yeah. I mean, poor Scorsese and Spielberg, unless they're doing like tent poles or properties, they're not making much money these days. And, you know, it's it just like a lot of people complain that, you know, oh, you know, where's our, where's the creative films? There's no such thing as creative films anymore. Well, you're not going to pay to go see the creative films anymore. That's why. And that's no... why they're, they're not making them. And that's why the focus groups are not like, that's why the focus groups are like more into trying to make a franchise film than trying to make a uh, a film of this caliber and what inception is you know because i guarantee you as big as it is then inception would not make it in today's uh uh, film but you know exactly but let's just say if it did knowing the nature of studios nowadays Mm -hmm. and also knowing how i honestly might not even take it anymore but if, if nolan doesn't didn't have the control he does right now and if interstellar did what it did like they would be, oh yeah, sequel. We gotta go. We gotta go back, and we gotta re, you know, we gotta like um, rethink the wheel, 
and we gotta like explain what the ending was, which will introduce a further character, which will lead into another movie and spin-off mm. deals, ten picture deal on Netflix. Let's uh let's a streaming show. A streaming show, a a clothing line. You and know. we'll have a, a comic book series that will fill in the gaps between movies. We got we gotta have the the Inception cooking. Uh... <laughs> we got to spin off Tom Hardy and Gordon Levitt and Alan Page into their own spin offs, and yes. then because they're big stars now, and then we'll have a a superhero crossover uh, finale. We got we got to put it all in 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 one thing. We gotta you know blow our load uh, as soon as we can. Money is you know time is money. Money is power. Power is pizza. Let's go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how every executive thinks ever. Boom. <laughs> so, literally. So um, look, I think Inception is a great film. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about it makes me want to go see it back uh, now again. Maybe I will uh, this winter break, but um, go see it if you haven't. And if you haven't, go and see it again. I think it's one of those films. I think, look, it really is what Nolan does best when he makes a movie. He creates an atmosphere, an environment. It paints a picture. It tells a story visually and then also audibly. Um, and it also, at the end of the day, creates a film that in itself creates a an environment wide, for conversation yeah a wide variety of conversation like yeah yeah um and honestly there has yet to be a movie he's mm-hmm. made that has failed to do that every movie he makes regardless of how we feel one way or the other creates a back and forth conversation yeah so inception uh yeah deception Deception. That's a sequel. That would be the sequel. Deception. Deception. Oh my God. We cracked the code, guys. We've done it. We Let's get Ron Howard it, on it. Let's get Ron Howard to do Deception. <laughs> oh my this God. is Deception Development. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's talk about Scott Pilgrim. Let's go to Canada and talk about Scott Pilgrim. Okay. All right. Let's just get this out of the way with why did you think, why did you want me to see this movie? Oh, because mostly the reason why I wanted you to see this movie was for curiosity's sake. I, I, uh, I was given this movie uh, from uh, to the table way back when. um, Earlier this year. Earlier this year, which feel fuck it, you know, it, it feels like it's been, it feels like we're in <laughs> Inception. <laughs> it's been, it's been too fucking long. This year has like it, it, <laughs> it, it flew by, you know, so fucking fast. But then you, uh, in come like 2018, and it feels like Black Panther came out ten years ago. I mean, it's just like that's how. <laughs> I mean, it's just like this weird mindfuck of a year, 2018. Um, it's like we're in a time warp. Let's do the time warp again. Um, the I gave you this movie because I absolutely fell in love with this film. Like, from the first frame, like, all it took was just seeing the 8-bit uh, intro for Universal Studios. 
And I was like, what the shit is this? You know, in, in comes a world, you know, and it says like, you know, in the magical world of Toronto, Canada. And it was just like insane, quirky, like witty. It had like a lot of things that, you know, that, you know, that, that spoke to me, the layers and levels of this movie. Um, right. What about this spoke to you? Tell me a kid. Stripping this movie back, what about this movie, like, made you love it? Is it the fact that there was video games? Is it the fact that there was rock bands? I'm not... Is it the fact that there was, like, quick comedy, out like, like really fast-paced uh, comedy? That that was the frosting of the cake. That was the frosting okay. of the cake. Um, what it really dove down to is that, you know, I keep on thinking about that movie and I keep on finding new things to, you know, point out and like love about it. I, you know, I, I keep on coming back to the film with new things to love, new things to admire, new things to cherish. Um, and I think that, you know, right after, uh, right after I saw it, you know, cause I saw it in digital form first, uh, Scott Pilgrim. And after I saw the movie, I went and got it in a, in a physical form, you know, because I was like, okay, I need to see this, you know, I need to have it, obtain it, you know, um, and I and I do, and I I think that immediately it it jumped into my not even fifty uh top ten not top fifty uh films like probably top twenty probably top twenty Scott Pilgrim just because like it's just like I could watch like the watchability factor of this movie is so vast and so meticulous that I keep on finding new things to love and enjoy and admire and that's the that's the wonders of an Edgar Wright film you watch a movie and like there's multiple layers multiple facets of a film and multiple tears that you uh you find and uh it makes you fall in love over and over and over again with the movie um i was semi watching the movie with you yesterday um and uh like just hearing the audio in the background just made me you know i was like oh i remember this part and then i thought about like other things that you know some dialogue meant and there it's just a you know, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving is the way I, I could I could describe it to you, you know, and it really, uh, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> no more, no more words. It's just a movie that I find that I love over and over and over again. <clears throat> uh, so I, you know, I was like, is it just me? Am I just, am I, am I like just crazy in love with this film? That's, you well, know, you know, me... it's not because Peter also loves this movie. Yeah, and so I'm like, what are, is it? Is it you know, you know, it, it, am I blinded by by my love for this movie? I, so no. I wanted, no. so I wanted somebody who probably doesn't give a shit about like the way that uh, this this kind of film would be made, um, and I wanted like an outside opinion. And I'm like, okay, let's get somebody who doesn't normally go for the batshit insane films, and like, let's get like a more level head. You know, in terms of like uh, uh, palettes, uh, film tasting palettes, you know, and I, I, that, I thought, Alexis, let's get Alexis on board and, you know, talk about the film. So that's well, what that being said, though, it's. Uh, what about this movie did you think would appeal to me in any way? 
I, you see, that's the problem. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, what would somebody like Alexis think of this film? You know, somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't normally go for the bombastic sort of film, you know? Um, and I just, the, the reason it, it had nothing to do with like, oh, this would appeal to Alexis. It's just, I just generally want to know what the fuck you think of this. Like, somebody with a more uh, sane mind, you know? I want to know what somebody with your mind thought of the film. And that's, it, again, peeling back the layers of what why the reason why i want you to see this movie it's just for fucking curiosity's sake what do you (laughs) so i was like that's what was killing me i was like what would like you know i you know i'm insane i'm an insane person i so this movie draws me what what is like somebody who's like more level-headed think of this film and uh like that, that that's what was killing me this entire time like what would somebody like with more what, what, like uh, what would oh, what would alexis think that's pretty much like what i thought so i it, here we are reviewing scott pilgrim versus the world uh alexis what do you think of scott pilgrim versus the world well, you know what? It's very interesting because I, I I don't know if I agree with that characterization because if anything, I because after seeing the film, uh, I really went out of my way to do some more research on it and in particular to see how this movie was being received. I watched old reviews. I watched newer reviews. And it certainly just seemed to me, and, and that also includes the very wonderful review that you and Peter did for To the Table a few months back. I definitely think that this is a beloved, cherished, and celebrated film on virtually every level. Um, and, and it's yeah. shocking because this was a box office bomb. Um, well, I think what Peter said, uh, I think rings true that this was definitely years before its time. If I'm not mistaken, Scott Pilgrim did come out. Um, at the same time as uh, as uh, what's it called Inception, but here's here's my my uh, viewing as far as why it wasn't so successful. Mm-hmm. I still think, and to be quite honest with you, I still think this movie um, wouldn't be that much more successful than it was uh, box office wise. Because, but but that's not to say that it wouldn't have a bigger audience. It has a huge huge international worldwide audience and the film that it is and given edgar wright's name it definitely would have a wider a much bigger audience now and a much more passionate and vocal audience Mm -hmm. i don't know how successful this would be at the box office but i think this would be a a monumental streaming you're talking about like a modern day film uh film climate right no i'm talking about the general audience I know, but like, I don't like think today's, the general audience. Today's general audience, like, you don't think that it would be, uh, you don't think it'll do any different? No, no. I think it would be even worse, to be honest with you. I think this would really turn people off in the worst way possible. Because personally speaking, I just I just think a lot of general audience people have are just stick in the muds. And I don't think this, I'll be fr- up front with you. I think this film. Uh, goes hand in hand with a Rocky Horror Picture Show as one of the most outlandish and balls to wall crazy movies I've seen in my life. 
Um, that's not a bad thing, to be clear about that, because I actually uh, did enjoy Rocky Horror Picture Show for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, I'm so freaking I, – I keep on saying this, but I'm freaking jealous that that was your first experience watching it in the – in the in the in the theater, you know, with with uh, with the interactivity going on, what a way to get introduced to the batshit insanity that is Rocky Horror Picture Show, but to be thrown more batshit insanity. <laughs> I, I, and I do want to clarify though, is I I do think that this would make more money at the box office considering how the comic book superhero age has really changed the whole thing. And this I don't but I don't know how much more it would play than a kick ass would, you know? I think there's a limited audience there because while I just don't think general audiences would really think all that much to go see this. However, if this movie nowadays would have landed on streamers like on a Hulu or a Netflix, my God, would it be a huge hit? Would it be an amazing? Because I think this is the kind of movie that really is made of the streaming age, more so than people will go out and spend money for it. Um, but regardless of that, that has nothing at all to do with the film's quality. And to be quite honest with you, look, I am a fan of Edgar Wright. Um, mm. I did go and see Baby Driver, and I quite enjoyed Baby Driver. I own the film uh, on Blu-ray. Um, I thought it had great performances. I think it was a great written story. And I think what that film featured was definitely a very stylish director and a director that was uh, talented with a script and a screenplay. Which, again, and, and while I haven't seen two-thirds, I guess, of the Cornetto trilogy, I have seen Hot Fuzz because that was one of those firm films that you shown to me years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And Hot Fuzz is something that I also would compare to what my experience was with uh, Scott Pilgrim. While uh, objectively speaking, it is a really great film in so many respects with great performances and great writing and uh, witty humor uh, bouncing off the walls, ricocheting left and right. Um, Hot Fuzz is not one of those films that I really think all back too much on and i think that may have to do with the fact that for whatever reason um it's just not my kind of humor you know and while there were moments of it that were i think made me laugh overall Mm -hmm. i I don't know if it it was that kind of dry british humor that was that may have you know probably because i adore dry british humor and I and you know what I tolerate it, but I don't really. I get it. It doesn't really make me laugh. So okay. that's not really the kind of humor that I appreciate. So that's I mean, my some people are American that. Office. Some people are the British Office. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You're you're more of the vein of like an American uh, Office, and I'm more of the vein of the British Office. Probably so. Uh. So yeah. And. As far as my feelings about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, what I see is something to appreciate in spades. As far as characterization, as far as characters, as far as um, just the unique identity onto its own that this film has in, in such a shameless 
and in such a confidence that it has to itself. Like Edgar Wright had a vision with this movie and God, did he really, really land with it as far as he could and then some. Um, this was unlike anything I've seen, really. And it also is something that I just wasn't really expecting from this movie. I, 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 but that being said, it is one of those movies that was just constantly and constantly over the years brought up and brought up as just this, an amazing thing and just like this really crazy. And, and I can see why. I can definitely see why this generation in particular loves that. Uh, and not just for the pop culture stuff, but because I think it's also uh, an execution that is – and I think it's okay to call this a video game movie. Yeah, because it's very based into like you know video game culture and and it is also based off a graphic novel. Yeah, so it it, it is this really weird um, tissue that it connects with uh, with video games and with comic books. So I think it can be considered one or the other or both. But as far as video game movies, clearly just by quality alone, just by writing alone and visuals and just the deliberate execution of a brilliant director guiding this ship it is without question the most successful and mo- and the best video game movie i think that has been produced um that's not saying much but um <laughs> and while Ready player one i think is also in that superior category i uh, i don't care for the movie mm-hmm. i also don't i don't really get angry at it the way Peter does because of the whole fanboy things. Yeah. Because quite frankly with you, I didn't really pick up on that when I watched it. Uh, but then again, I could barely pick up my own pulse while watching the movie, so there's that. Um, although he... But, but the thing about this movie is you're never bored. And I think my experience boiling it down is just I was just constantly bewildered at what was going on. And I was... I mean, I think I, I was just trying to constantly settle in with the groove of, of this movie. Mm-hmm. And when I, just when I would, something would happen out of left field that really just, uh, okay, that's happening now. Take you for a ride. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, get to, let's get into characters. Uh, let's talk about uh, Scott Pilgrim himself. What did you? What was your reception towards his character? Because uh, uh, he is uh, a lot of people put it in uh, put it in terms of like literacy. He is by definition antihero, um, mm. and the way that he the way that he uh, he's like not motivated about anything. Uh, he he doesn't make any choices of his own. Until like mm-hmm. the very end of the film, uh, because he's usually turning to other people to make decisions for him. You know his uh, like his mindset is you know like oh if I you know if I I get a girl you know my dream girl everything will be made in the shade. You know I don't have to do anything you know in terms of everything like that. So you know. And because of his like you know ne- negligence in terms of that, he constantly flows through through the entire movie, and he drifts until something thrusts you know you know upon his lap, and he you know he has to you know take action for himself, and uh, 
and a, a lot of people say that he's like a huge piece of shit. <laughs> um, be, for the yeah, way, he is. For the way he treats a lot of a uh, lot of characters, and uh, uh, the way that his persona, you know, lands upon itself and everything like that. So, uh, what is your what is your take on Scott Pilgrim himself? There is so much. There's there's really some like a variety of ways I can tackle. Um, but talking about Scott Pilgrim, um, I, I, I can see why a lot of people feel that way about him, um, and putting him in the whole, and yes, he is the, the, um, he, he fits in the lane of anti-hero, but I really don't like him, like, <laughs> at all, and, you know, it's like, and I, I guess that may just really, you know, speak to the the film overall but it's like nothing about that situation has any significance to me nothing about him being a complete asshole and douchebag to the people he to his friends that he treats um and him falling for a girl while he's dating somebody who really is being nothing but sweet and kind to him um i understand that's the story i understand that's how things are set up and that's who he is as a character mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean i have to like him and at no point in this movie did i ever think to myself i care very much for this person and at no point did i ever feel bad for him um especially when what's at stake is just so trivial to me in comparison to other things i mean if you just ask me i think the entire ordeal that he has to go through uh while i th- again while this whole concept of the exes and, and, and is is executed to perfection yeah it is hard for me to take any of it seriously because i just didn't care quite frankly i just don't care i don't care about him and i don't care about what happens to any of these people because none of these people i think really appealed to me as human beings that i would that I myself would choose to hang out with. The fact that this entire film is boiled down to whether or not, oh, um, I like this girl, but this girl's also nice, I guess. It, it really, I think, does the whole idea of an anti-hero really, like, just injustice because there are so many anti-heroes that we have really explored in pop culture over the years that are much more likable lovable even and exciting and you know i like michael sarah but i don't know if there was just something that was just off-putting about him throughout the entire time and uh, i just don't like him i just really really don't like him i think that was the point of the film that he i agree with you i agree with you that was the point but that didn't really help anything really for me and it's so it's so like it's it's poetic not irony but like justice whatever term you want to use um how he winds up falling for ramona flowers who also in herself is a little bit toxic and and everything it's just like two toxic people falling for each other you know and that's Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a huge thing like she uh, throughout the entire movie, you know, she when she first okay, let's talk about that awkward scene when she first meets knives. Um, when uh, when she when 
she obviously knows what's happening and she obviously, you know, gets the gist of what's going on. But she's like, eh, about it. Because at that point, uh, Scott was just another number to, uh, to, uh, to her. Um, and that's the way that she's treated all of her exes, you know, is that, you know, her exes were just another number. And so it's like, it's the perfect, uh, foil slash you know romantic interest for scott you know two pieces of shit falling in love with each other you know um and which uh begs the question uh for you alexis so what did you think of ramona flowers yeah she's a complicated girl um and she really uh, you know there's um there are a number of characters, her and uh, obviously Knives uh, being among them that uh, the film sets up as uh, being sympathetic towards. Um, but again, she just reminds me like one of those people that doesn't really deal with their problems and just like because of the shit that they've been through doesn't really know how to deal with them and she just runs away from them instead of actually dealing with them mm-hmm. and inadvertently hurts people along the way. And I mean, I feel like I'm going to be seeing this all the way, but it's like, I get that's her character. I get that's what's supposed to happen. I understand it all. But it's again, it's like, it's hard for me to care about somebody like that. I I, I think the, the performance was definitely good and I do think she's... Uh, likable enough but um can't say that about uh scott pilgrim though (laughs) um especially when you're comparing the two um but yeah i mean there was a couple of moments where i really liked uh scott like after uh after the whole fight with uh i todd i think that's his name um after the whole todd thing because his uh because his big uh, ex was Envy Adams, and uh, after that whole exchange, like you know, you you know, uh, you made my uh, you know, you made my you know boyfriend burst and everything like that, and he's like, uh, it's like something like to the vein of it's okay, Nat, and everything like that, because her name was like you know, Natalie yeah, you know before. what, I just I need to address that because I heard that last at the table, and Peter was really like. He had this whole tangent about Herbie wanting to commit suicide, and then that whole about the 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 love bug, the film that you guys reviewed with uh, this movie last time, and he went on this whole thing about so if a car has the comprehension of suicide, you know how Peter gets that way when he has all these bunch of questions that really mean nothing in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this this happened with me here. Um, so I put that out there before I'm attacked by the hyenas about having this issue. But again, at the core of this movie, it's really hard for me to take any of it seriously for a number of reasons. The le- none the least of which is people just die here. And like no one questions that. Like no consequences. No, no consequences. <laughs> and I'm just supposed to be okay with that. I'm like, I mean, I can I, I buy that that's what the movie is selling. And again, it's not, not, it's not so much as a criticism of the movie because it really isn't. 
It's just um, a reasoning for why it was just so hard for me to connect with really anything of what was going on because I just took none of it seriously. It's, none of it was any, of any consequence, and I cared for a little it's of what a, was going on. It's a pseudo video game reality uh, thing. Yeah, I, I got that. I got that. And, well, okay. And it definitely it was evoking an actual video game. For, I mean – that that first sequence where the first X bursts in, and Matthew when, Patel, when, that, <laughs> when, there's a, when there's a fight going on, and then he's singing, and then people die inadvertently through that altercation, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? This <laughs> um, okay. You're you're addressing you're addressing these issues and uh this is like half of the reason why I wanted you to yeah to see this yeah. movie <laughs> and that's really why I wonder like what about this did you think would appeal to me um and then I think to myself well okay I've never really cared for video games okay so. That's one reason why I didn't care for any of this or why none of this really appealed to me. Don't really care much for rock bands. While the soundtrack objectively is great, especially if you like that music, it kind of became grating for me and obnoxious in areas to the point where I wanted to put it on mute because it's like, I guess... If you're into that, which I know you are, and I'm sure Peter is, for me, it just sounded like they were just playing the same song on repeat throughout the entire film. And that may have been because I was just trying to really understand what in the world this movie was. Um, again, to be clear, I was never angry at the movie. I was never hating it. Mm-hmm. I was just not ever caring about it or liking it all that much. What I do like about the film is the balls that clearly are attached to this movie by Edgar Wright. And I love that his voice is oozing throughout every nook and cranny of this movie. And I applaud that. And I'm thankful for that. And quite frankly, we need more of this kind of film out there. Um, if you were to ask me right now what my overall feelings about this is, I don't know really what to make of this movie. <laughs> I, I can't hate it. I can't like it. I just don't know what to do about this movie. I'm, I'm in a place You're where... You're confused. <laughs> it's like purgatory. You know, I'm a Catholic. I'm, like, I'm in purgatory, and I'm really just trying to find my way. I don't... I mean, I'm happy people like it, but it's like... I'm also at the point where it's like, well, what's the big deal? Well, okay, people like this stuff, but I don't like this stuff. It's not a bad movie, but I don't like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I think I've cracked the code, guys. I think I broke Alexis mentally. <sighs> This this is this is truly a special episode. This is truly a special episode. I I I mean the most that I can crack it down to is that this is objectively an amazing movie. 
great work of art and a 100% unadulterated interpretation of a story from an auteur. That's just not for me. <laughs> it's in that category of films that, while I can respect it immensely for its uh, for its uh, grandiose nature and um, its confidence, it's not really something I would ever see myself going back to revisit. Okay, it's not something that's for me. And and that's why nah. and that's why I, I, I gave you this movie because it's like I know it's not for you, but I just wanna know what you you know, you, you think of it as like a as a film, you know, you know I mean it's just one of the things that confounds me is that everybody see like everyone seems to be agreed that it's uh, it's great and they love it to death and I'm like Okay. Um, also, also, you know, considering the cast that's, you know, done, I don't think that you would have gotten the same cast, you know, if, you know, because a lot of these people in the film have gone to, you know, greater things. I mean, you have, let's just list off the huge cast list. Michael Sarah has done wonderful things, you know, Aubrey Plaza, you know, obviously she's like huge in like the independent film circuit. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, uh, Chris Evans. Brie Larson, everybody in this film would not be in this film, you know, because there's like there's this huge, huge, uh, you know, cast a list cast list that you know it's kind of a miracle that you know they got them, uh, Edgar Wright got them at this point in their in their careers, you know, and I I think that uh, I think that's an also another huge huge temple. I mean, he pretty much uh, made Simon Pegg a household name. Uh, you know, so that's the, that's the kind of, uh, things that we're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, at the time and everything. And I think that, uh, I think Edgar Wright, you know, he was just a, he was just a long haired, uh, long haired Brit with the, you know, with the, with a suitcase and a dream. And he made that dream a reality with this film. And this is like, I think that this movie was the movie that put him, you know, into like a world ma- worldwide, uh, like in terms of like the critic's eye. This is the one that, you know, that put his name on the, you know, on the filmmaking map, you know, um, without this, we would not be getting the Cornetto trilogy. We'd not be getting, you know, baby drivers and all that thing. I think that this really was a tentpole, uh, film that he re- that really like kicked him up a notch in terms of like prominency, uh, in what his name was, you know, and I, it's, there are things sprinkled out throughout the entire movie that I'm just like, I, I, I really love. Like, uh, when, you know, uh, number one, like there's like this, uh, there's a, there's a zero, um, on, on, a on Scott Pilgrim's, you know, shirt. And it shows that, you know, oh, he's, he's, he's going to become a number two, you know, just like everybody else and, uh, everybody else in Ramona's life. Um, his the color of his uh, of his apparel changes you know over time with uh, with Ramona's hair you know symbolizing how like well in tune they are with each other uh there there's just like so many different things so many different like there the different characters in this uh in this uh remind is a very textbook uh character representation like how knives represents uh scott's insecurity uh uh, uh she uh envy adams represents his past um how like different uh how like his 
uh, super ego is within the confines of Ramona Flowers. I mean, it's just like how a lot of a lot of these characters represent different parts of you know the subconscious mind, um, and how like a lot of and it just it just so happens to have a video game skin on it with the video game style because he's I think it it goes deeper than that because he he treated life as a video game he treated life as a game you know um and it's very reflective on that because this of the video game nature of the film um he has a he has a great uh, uh I don't know what his name is um but he's Macaulay Culkin's brother and uh and he he played like you know the wisdom and the wise guy throughout the whole entire thing um he the way that he the way he just like stood on the sidelines and like just like said uh just like uh laughed at the entire situation it was like entertained by everything going on it kind of reminded me of you alexis (laughs) are you talking about oh that was macaulay culkin's brother yeah Yeah. huh yeah that's okay um the roommate. Yeah, the roommate. Yeah, he was one of the, he was one of the few likable people. I felt. I was like, okay, this guy doesn't give a shit. I like him. <laughs> there you go. That's why. <laughs> um, he like. There's just a bunch of things going on with the whole entire movie. The 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 cast is great. Uh, the exes. Uh, one of them is Superman. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Mae Whitman. AKA her, if you know Arrested Your Development. girl Brie Larson was in here singing, no less. So I assume that was a moment for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. If only, if only 2005 me, uh, <laughs> could see this movie. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Plus, she sings a kick-ass song. I really love Black Sheep. Um, uh, and that's a that's a really really cool. and she can really sing. Yeah, she can really sing. It's, I think like it, like in terms of like casting, her her casting made the most sense because she did have a pop career, but uh, previously to you know acting, uh, and I she could sing, she could act the way that she had like this over dramatic you know melodramatic kind of uh, kind of tone with her like what no like. <laughs> And I think that goes with like every character in the in the thing, but like hers especially, the way it's like over overdone. I think that was like a nice little touch. Uh, I I love the line where she says, you know, you should so totally come. And then Michael Sarah was like, that's not gonna happen. It's just like little bits like that, little nuggets of like lines mm-hmm. and like quick banter back and forth between characters. I think also uh, with this movie, there's a. Uh really you can make a really uh wonderful case for an eye that edgar wright has for editing in general Mm -hmm. the editing of this really makes the movie i mean in spades with the the quick cuts and just the outward and really unique uh identity in which he approaches uh how to cut this movie really helps i think sell home the overall final product did you have favorite moments throughout the entire movie? Mm. There were moments where they made me laugh, but n- not one that in the moment that makes me remember what it was. Okay. Um, I really like the moment where uh, where knives <laughs> rang the doorbell, and like Michael didn't want to have to deal with that, uh, or 
uh, Scott. Sorry. Michael Scott. Anyway. George Michael. George Michael. Yeah. George Michael. <laughs> Um, there was one moment in the, in the day where he just didn't want to deal with knives. So he freaking crashed through the window. <laughs> yeah. Trying to run away. That was funny. Uh, there's, there's just a bunch. There's a bunch. I really like, uh, Kim played by Allison Pills, uh, attitude towards everything. Like, uh, you know, I used to date Michael, uh, not Michael, uh, Scott in high school. And she's like, yeah, any stories? Uh, she's like, yeah, he's an idiot. Just like the brash dryness that she has is uh is wonderful she's a she's a great yeah character. yeah no, that, i will say i think i don't know i really think this movie was just a i really felt bad for knives she was just a punching bag throughout the entire movie she's like mantis and guardians too she was literally punched in the movie um so they're like number one uh but here's the thing i can i had a complaint with uh with peter and i talked with him you know, behind the behind the recording sessions, um, behind the shield, behind the shield, yeah. <laughs> Which just got a seventh season before a single episode airs of Behind the Shield. Congratulations. Um, where's the <laughs> champagne? Um, I hey the campaign. By the, I don't even know what I'm doing, but so far it's just been making it work. <laughs> Some way, somehow. Uh, I there was a question I had for Peter. Uh, and that was like, poor fuck, you know, Scott. And, you know, why did, why did, you know, knives, what did, what was knives, you know, point like, uh, knives, uh, Scott didn't deserve knives and everything like that. And Peter made a point where he's like, that was the point of the, of the thing. Because not only did Scott learn something at the end, um, but knives learned something as well. While night, while Scott learned to be less of a shitty person at the end, uh, knives learned uh, self respect mm. at the end because that's the, nice because her own insecurities, you know, because she was a very insecure person uh, before the end of the film, you know, because she said, you know, well, yeah, maybe because she was literally treated like shit, yeah, but then she, but then she had a line at the end. She's like, "I'm too good for you anyway." And it, which is true. She's too good for for uh, for Scott. And uh, throughout the whole thing, I mean, there's just a bunch of character development that's really spot on and really uh, gorgeously transitioned throughout the entire film. I, I just... I, yeah. The, the character development in itself is like, you know, I could... To be honest, I could go on forever talking about like how how this worked and this worked and how like this made sense in this part and everything like that. Um, like different Easter eggs and everything like that. That you know, it 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 pointed out from A, B, and C. You know, there's just like that that you know get to A to Z point in uh, in storytelling, and that not only is her great, you know, uh, you know, written storytelling, but visual storytelling as well. It, it, it just made this, and you know, that's the reason why I love this movie so much is that, you know, throughout the entire movie, I find more things to love about it. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, after every viewing, I love it more and more and more and more throughout the entire viewing experience. And I just, it's a movie that I, that I go back to, and I, I just like, oh, I remember why I love this movie to begin with. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a multi-layered, layered film. And I could, 
definitely talk to talk on about it. I mean, honestly, this this podcast could be a five hour episode just talking about different layers of uh, of this film. But uh, but alas, uh, so yeah. Final thoughts on uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I think um, it's a movie that will be beloved uh, by this generation. Um, I think objectively speaking, it is a wonderful work of art. And I think uh, Edgar Wright at his purest. Mm -hmm. And I celebrate a filmmaker being able to chance to make um, whatever movie he wants. And I definitely think while I myself may not care for this movie all that much, it has my respect. And I I do think that this... Uh, type of movie needs to be championed, uh, especially in the age of mediocre crap that we live in. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Did you like what you hear? Hurt. Uh... <laughs> Cat got your tongue. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, did you like what you heard here, ladies and gentlemen? And if you did, you could check out podcast.com, iTunes.com, and Google Play Music. Um, and you could check out everything else on our sister programs, uh, Fantasy Fair, uh, with me and the ever-lovely Alexis Moreno. And you could check out more of Alexis Soto and Peter Martinez on Red Spotlight Entertainment. Uh, coming soon with uh, with the uh, Red Spot Entertainment, there's the Bohemian Rhapsody review that me and Alexis Moreno did. And then uh, there's more stuff coming where we're going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts and other stuff. Uh, Alexis is going to take a victory lap. Uh, <laughs> talking about the um, renewal of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, a pre-renewal <laughs> before season six even airs. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be real here. It's a fucking Christmas miracle. <laughs> and it's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, that would be, join us for other stuff on Red Spot Entertainment. Who knows what other... Uh, Literally, who, who knows? knows? Every Tuesday, on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, you know, uh, talk about Doctor Who, so, um, yeah, so I think, I think we're shaping up here on Red Spotlight Entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, so, until next time, bye.